This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, for the people that are on the Torah Anytime, we have to share with you something. Um, and this is how much we care about our community that listens to the classes outside of this class. We uh, gave, the, we started the class already, I don't know how long it was. Let's just say that it was a while, or it doesn't matter. And uh, we realized that the audio of the mic was not on. So for the courtesy of the people in the online world, they, um, you know, we'll do a quick recap uh, for them. So again, we're continuing with part three. This is the final part of the uh, store of the uh, p- topic of possessions, the bukim. So, unbelievable. All right. So the first, the, again, we're we're dealing with the with stories from the Minchat Yehuda, Rabbi Huda Fataya. The first part of the, the first story is that there was a woman by the name of Katun, and she came to Rabbi Huda Fataya. She was the daughter of Yonah, Jonah, and she said that her heart started stinging, stinging, stinging her, and she had these terrible, terrible convulsion-like symptoms that she would roll on the floor, but roll on the floor for a very low, far distance that she could not be held down unless uh, she could not be stopped unless she was held down and pinned down by people to actually physically and forcefully push her and prevent her from rolling down. The reason why she came now is because now she was pregnant. And now that she was pregnant, she was nervous about losing the baby from all these violent rolling down on the floor. So she went to see the rabbi saying, what's going on? Why am I, what, why is this happening to me? Besides that, she also had a recurring dream where she dreamt that this man is trying to be with her intimately. So she decided she's going to go and speak to the rabbi. The rabbi went, he looked into her and he checked her and he saw that indeed that, uh, that she did have a spirit. So the, Rabbi was trying to co- converse with the spirit, and, and just like we did, you know, in the, in the previous classes, the you notice this is a very common ground that whenever the rabbi converses with the spirit, there's actually a, lo- a lot of, of back and forth on, hey, what's going on? You know, why did you, you know, what the sins that you did? What were the issues that happened? So they... Um, so the rabbi started speaking about this this uh, this spirit. The kicker, the twist of this spirit, is that this spirit was none other than her own brother. Her own brother went and possessed her. So what happened with this uh, with this story? This um, the year was 1914, and uh, the there was a war that broke out, and the Turks were drafting into the army all the young, you know, able-bodied people to go into the army. This particular boy, he was, you know, a young man, but he was extremely, extremely handsome, so they drafted him, but they didn't draft him, they didn't put him in the front lines, they figured they could use him for other types of services, so uh, he didn't get drafted, and uh, just, you know, so I, so I should, uh, you know, point out over here, there are many people that they think that in life you get further if, let's say, you look a certain way, then you get, you know, that you'll get further, you'll get better business, and sometimes it's it even it's even true when you look at it, the world the way it looks, because you look at it, there are certain businesses, um, especially marketing, bringing in business, um, they, that you have to be presentable in a certain way in order to, to bring in the business, and they'll only hire people that look a certain way, and they're not going to hire, if there's somebody who is, you know, 500 pounds, and, you know, he is, smells very, very lovely of, like, a very strong BO, and, you know, he's going to be like, yeah, I want to sell your product. I don't know how many people are going to hire him. They want something that, so you think that people that are put together will get further in life. Sometimes you think that somebody who's smart, who is, uh, you know, charming, a good talker, will get better in life. I have seen m- numerous times, and I, I love, I love when I see these types of cases, because it just shows and proves how God runs the world. That you see people, easiest example is to deal in business. You see somebody who um, runs a multi-million dollar business, but you don't understand how 
he even would be able to hold a minimum wage job. Like it doesn't doesn't speak a word of English, doesn't know how to write, doesn't know how to do almost anything, and yet he has the ability to run a multi-million dollar business. Now, why and how does that work? So. The one aspect of it is, is that you realize that it, the, all these things mean nothing. Everything is 100% from the heaven, from heaven. Everything is 100% from God. How are you going to be successful? Granted, we have to do our hishtadut. We have to do our, uh, you know, the things that we, you know, we have to do, do, you know, go out, get work, go out and, and try to find, you know, a match. We are, we need to do our, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Hishtadut. What's a, do, do, I guess do, do diligence. Yeah. So that we have to do that. But at the end of the day, everything is from God. So this man, he goes and he gets drafted for two, from 1914. By the year 1916, he decides on himself that he's going to go into, into the war because he wants to fight. That reminds me, I had, a, I had a student once that he decided uh, by reasons I cannot understand that he wants to go fight ISIS. Now, he actually went and he fought ISIS. And he couldn't go, like, not like, hey, I'm fighting ISIS from my computer, like, ISIS, I hate you. You know, like, he actually went down and he had to, like, go from, like, country to country to, like, join some Arab, I don't know, village with, like, you know, with, with arm. Yeah. So, and, and he went to, um, and he joined, and he actually fought against ISIS. Like, you know, I saw some of the pictures, you know, and then he got injured, and then he came back. And I'm like, you know, when I told him when he left, I'm like, I don't understand why you're going. I'm like, you, you have an urge to fight? Go to the Israeli army. You know what? Go to the American army. You got to go fight Arabs against Arabs? That's what you, that's like your life goal, long, long mission? Anyways, I couldn't convince him he went. Well, Boko Hashem, he came back alive. Um, I think now he's in California somewhere. Uh, but I guess he had this, this uh, you know, fighting fever. This man also did. He decided that even though he didn't need to get drafted, he went on in his own fruition to uh, get uh, go into the war. What happened was one time he was working on an airplane and the door of the airplane closed. Now, the door of an airplane, especially in the 19, early 1900s, are not made of carbon you know, fiber or whatever, you know, these like light little things that, you know, like these doors. If a door closes on you, then there's part of you that is outside of the door, and there's part of you that's inside of the door. And that's what happened to him. He was working on it, his foot got stuck outside, the door closed, his foot was stayed outside, and he uh, stayed on the inside. And from the sheer amount of pain, he was rolling back and forth nonstop while, you know, in the, in, you know, the immense pain that he was. Then, unfortunately, they weren't able to save him. The foot became very infested, um, and he, you know, he got an infection, and he ended up passing away a short while after that. But, because even though he was a young man, he was, he was full of sins, like he lived a very, very long life. He, um, <clears throat> the, as we said before, he was very handsome, and the, the officers, the army officers, took him for other, um, you know, reasons. So, the officers actually paid him for his services. The, the men officers paid him for certain services. And the woman, the, the woman, which means the wives of these officers, also took him for certain services. And not only that, there, are, there were women of ill repute that this was their business. What he was doing, well, he was also, I guess, in the same business. I think you guys understand what we're talking about, right? Okay, so he was in, these women, they would also ask him to do, you know, certain things and even regarding whether they're menstruating, whether they're not, it, in all aspects, they decide, they, they did. So, long story short, he came up to heaven with a long slew of sins that he had to deal with and he didn't do tshuva on it. So, right after his, right after he died, he, uh, he became a spirit and he didn't, he wasn't able to go not to heaven, not to hell. He was in the Kafakela stage. 
And then he entered his sister as a, he possessed his own sister, uh, which is the story that we're dealing with right now. And since he was so accustomed to doing these immoral acts in his lifetime, that he couldn't help himself that he kept, that's how what he was doing to his sister, and that was the dreams that she was having. Now, the mother and the sister were listening to this spirit that was possessed inside the sister talk about their own brother and son, and they were like, can't be. You know, our son, our brother, he's still alive. He just, you know, we're just waiting for him to write to us any day. So the mother says, if you are indeed my son, give me a proof that you are indeed him and you're not just making this all up. So the, the spirit answered, it says, when we were young, we would sleep in a certain room and you would sleep, it goes to his mother, you would sleep on one side, dad would sleep on another side and you would sing me a certain song. And one day, uh, one night I wasn't able to fall asleep and then this particular sister that I'm, you know, in possessing, she took me on the side, she told me a story and I fell asleep that way. And they verified that the words are true. So the the rabbi goes and the and he, and he tells the spirit and he says how do you uh, how do you look like what's your appearance and he said that that he has his whole body is filled with long hair like a goat and that's not a that's that's a sign that it was full of sin that it has to be clean the body after um after they pass away. So what the rabbi started doing, he started doing the tikkunim, he started doing the unifications on this, on this, on the spirit. And for, for two long years, he's been doing the unifications on this spirit. And the year was 1921, and every time that he would rid him of the here, that he would get cleansed from the unifications, this spirit would then go, <coughs> either lie with his sister, lie with an animal, and just bring all the impurities right back on him. And he wouldn't be able to do anything. It, it was sort of like a, 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 this, this mean cycle that he got clean and then he got, he got dirty again. He got clean and he got dirty again. So, the rabbi goes and he says, uh, you know, up to a certain point, he says, uh, I want to speak to your, your question. Yeah, I'm just really confused. The brother is in his sister's body and he's doing sin, so he's not getting anywhere? So, yes. He's trying to get out? Yeah. He's trying to get out or he wants, she wants him out? No, so what, the way, okay, so I, this is, it is complicated and there's even a lot more questions that you can have asked on this, uh, because how can he do sins? How does he have free will? Which is something we spoke about last class. So no, he's doing he's it. Her, so she, he's doing he's doing these impure acts, which which prevents it. No, 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 no. It's it's through the you know it's like in, when in dreams. But he's actually doing it in the spiritual realm. But she sees it at times. Yes. Okay. Physically doing it. No. Uh, well, that I don't know. Actually, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah. It's like it's like a dreaming. Yeah, that's usually in a dreaming stage. But but in his his aspect, it's actually doing it. So when spirits go and possess a other body, a body, it's not really they're trying to get out. The reason why they possess is because it gives them an escape to prevent them from, you know, dealing with the damaging angels that are that are. Yeah, but why would you go and keep doing? Ah, that's a good question. That was the question I thought you were going to ask. So the question, uh, which was probably the next one that you were going to ask. So uh, yeah, the 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 reason for that is is that I'll give you an example like this so you can understand it. You know. Um, you have a person that is a very, very angry person. And you say, like, I want you to work on this, I want you to work on this, this, this anger, you need to work on it. And be like, okay, fine. And no matter how much they try to work on it, it still comes back because it's so much ingrained in them that really it's difficult to break that habit. There's some people, a good example is a drug addict. A drug addict, like, he can try or she can try to break away from it, but after a certain point, either they're gonna relapse or if they don't try hard enough, so it's sort of a, a, uh, you know, it's like sort of out of their control in a certain sense. So to this, when you go into the next world, it's not like you'll be like, okay, I understand that was bad, let's fix it. You ingrained in yourself a personality and that's how you are. So why these things happen, it's a long thing, maybe if we have time afterwards we'll go a little bit more into detail to explain it, but for now, now let's move forward. So, 
the rabbi goes to the spirit and says, I want to speak to the officer in charge of you. What's his name? So the spirit says his name is Joseph. So he says, please, you know, let him come in. And, you know, because the only way that the rabbi could speak to it is only if it goes through uh, this person who's being possessed. So the rabbi says, I want to speak to this officer. So... The, you know, the woman, like, sort of, you could see, like, she lost, like, consciousness, per se, for a minute, and she, uh, uh, and then she got back up, and the rabbi says, who am I speaking to? So he says, I am Joseph, the officer. So the officer says, uh, this, he says, I don't understand how, the, it has never happened before that a rabbi could speak to the officer. You cannot, you can, you don't have anything to do with me. You could speak with the spirit, but you have nothing to do with me. So the rabbi goes back to him and says, what if I get permission from the heavenly court, would you speak to me? He says, if you're able to do that, then fine. So the rabbi went and he said a short prayer. And the prayer was as follows. It says, Master of the world, may it, be your will, may, may it be your will to grant Officer Joseph permission to talk to me. And then the officer says, okay, in a whisper. So, uh, and the officer goes on and says, forgive me, your honor, I didn't know this before, but I'm prepared to answer all your questions. So the rabbi says, you are granted permission to speak to me. And he said, yes, they told me to hold nothing back from him. So now the rabbi started asking questions about this, this, uh, to this uh, damaging uh, uh, spirit. Damaging officer. So he goes and, he, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna not gonna ask the, and say the questions. We're just gonna say the answers, and you'll figure out the questions. He the the officer says says we do not sleep at all, not day or night. We stand upright constantly. He says because we don't have any knees, and our feet are similar to those of a donkey. We also never become tired from standing. They eat two meals a day, and there's something very interesting. The, the meal just appears at chest level for them. It's sort of like a handful of red lentil-like substance. They eat the entire thing, and the entire time it's suspended in the air. After they finish eating, the whole thing gets disappeared. They don't know where it comes from, how it came there. They don't know anything like that. And then, um, and, and then once it, once it disappears, they don't uh, you know they don't eat anything until until the night. There's no like midnight snack, you know. That that's all they eat, and that's and that what sustains them for for the entire time. And the spirit, the da, the mazakim, this this damaging demon, I guess you could call it, um, told the, the rabbi he said that the spirits they don't eat anything. The only thing that sustains them is the ear. So we see over here, uh, just to pause for a second, there is still a little bit of physicality in this world. Because you notice they are still in this world. They're in the limbo stage. So it's still part of the physical aspects. There's still some physical aspects to it. Then they say, when they have to beat the spirit, when they have to, you know, uh, torture the spirit, they, there's a, 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 this sort of rod that materializes in their hand, and the, the hand starts beating them involuntary. The amount of strength, how many times, everything does it involuntary, as soon as it's finished, the rod disappears. And then they go, and then, uh, it just, it, you know, they go back to whatever they were doing beforehand. So, the rabbi goes to, jo- to, to this uh, damaging officer Joseph and he says, I want to see you. Reveal yourself to me. So he says, impossible. <clears throat> he sa- the officer says, I'm afraid that you'll be scared. So the rabbi replied back, says, don't worry about this. I'm used to seeing such things. So, the spirit, so this damaging spirit says, you know, I'm ashamed and embarrassed to reveal myself. He says, because our face looks nothing like humans. So he says, in that case... Please describe to me your face. And he says that the, their faces are, are next to their shoulder. It seems like maybe they don't have any um, neck. And they have a very, very long nose, and it's very crooked, and it reaches to the chest. Then <clears throat> the rabbi says, what? He said, you know some people like that? <laughs> so, hmm. so anyways, the, um, the uh, you know, I, I said this class to the, to the men, to the men, and they were like, so you mean like a regular Jew? So I said, no, this is nothing about holding bags of money. Um, but no, no. Because huh? that's how that, how did the Gentile world portray Jews? Crooked nose with bags of money just walking around. And horns. And horns sometimes also, yeah. <laughs> that's true. But 
No, in any case, these are the spirits look nothing like the, the human uh, the, the human race. So the rabbi goes and says, "Okay, I had enough over here. I want to speak to the I want to speak to the spirit." So the spirit comes back and he, and he goes to the spirit and he says, um, "I want you. I, I want to send you on a mission. I want you to send you to the heavenly court. I have some questions. I want you." So he was sending this, the, you know, some questions to the heavenly court through the spirit. So the spirit says, "He says, I, you know, I'm, I'm so scared. Are you kidding me? How am I supposed to get out there? They're never going to let me go there, and they're going to punish me for going there." He says, "No, don't worry about it. You're going on my behalf." And he says, "You go and you ask permission if you can go." And the rabbi gave him the questions. He went up there and he says, "I have some questions that I'm asking on behalf of a rabbi uh, from the world." And he said, and they gave him permission to come in. So now this is what the questions that he asked, and this is the answer that they gave him. So the first question that he asked was, <clears throat> the rabbi asked the spirit to ask the heavenly court that generally when you're in this kafakela stage, just in limbo stage, you're there for a certain amount of years. So the rabbi wanted to know, by him doing these unifications, these tikkunim, what happens is, is that he shortens the amount of time that they have to stay in the stage. So the question is, does the court, does the court approve of that? Are they okay with me shortening his sentence by doing all this tikkunim? Because then his, his full sentence is not, does not need to be um, kept. So the court answered, says, we don't care. Like, what do we care? We want the person to be clean. However he gets clean, by all means necessary, who cares? As long as the end goal gets, you know, is reached, we're fine with it. The... The, you know, to understand this is, um, you know, the, there's a very, very famous question that is asked again and again that the question is as follows. God knows the future, right? Right. So God knows that this person who's a very, very big sinner, he knows that he's going to sin, right? Right. He, and still, so he, he knew the future. He knew that this person was going to sin. He still created him knowing that he's going to sin. So now the question is, why is this whole person held responsible? You created him knowing that it should be, you know, that, that he's going to sin. So the answer is a good, I mean, the question is a good question, but it's really, it, it's not a good question at all at the same point in time. When you look at, the, when you look at the, an example that Rabbi Huda Fatali gives, it says, let's say somebody goes and buys a very expensive suit. He buys a, you know, buys a very... All right. Let's say someone buys a very expensive dress. I have to realize who I'm speaking to over here. A custom-made. I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, you know, what's that? What's that thing with an H? I know it's an expensive company. Hermes. Hermes. Yeah. So let's say they go and they get a very expensive Hermes. Um, whatever it is, the most expensive over there. And then they're walking out, and then it gets dirty. So then, they, you know, this, someone goes over to them and be like, why did you spend, you know, $10,000 on, you know, a bag? Which should be a question regardless. Uh, but, but let's say they, so they went, they spent $10,000 or whatever it is, $20,000 on, on a, you know, on a bag if it's going to get dirty. And they'll respond to be like, what, I don't understand, what's the, you know, what's the difference? I said, it's gonna get dirty, I'll wash it, and then I'll, you know, I'll continue using it. Who cares if it got dirty? And that's the same thing, when we come into this world, God knew that we were going to sin. But why did He create us if we we're gonna do bad? And the answer is, if you, if, even though we're doing bad, he says, we're just getting dirty. All we have to do is get cleansed. Once we get cleansed, now we're dealing with all the good that we, that we accomplished. So, when you look at it in the, you know, in, in that aspect, that, think of it as this in limbo stage, this terrible time, this terrible stage where people get tortured and for all the sins, by the way, these are sins that only if they did not do tshuva. If they did tshuva, they don't get to deal with this. They're, they're, they're clean. So these are situations where they didn't do tshuva and they come into this, this terrible stage and they have to go through hell and Gehenom and who knows how much suffering that they have to go through in life. Be like, why? Be like, you don't understand, this is just the dry cleaning process. This is like, it's as if saying like, why buy a, you know, expensive dress if it's just gonna get dirty? It says, you wash it and then you can wear it again. It's not a, the question is really not a question. So, the, and that's why the, the, 
they told him in they told him in court that says that the end goal is that this person should get cleansed. This is the method that he needs to get cleansed. And this is in the limbo stage, and it's unfortunately through a tremendous amount of suffering. But if it can be achieved in a different way, let it, you know, let it deal with it that way. So now, the second question that he asked, that he asked them was, if the spirit goes and enters a person and pains him on Shabbat, can the rabbi go and do unifications on Shabbat? And they respond to him that if he's in pain, he is permissible to... Uh, um, to do these tukunim. Meanwhile, the rabbi continues to do unifications on this, um, on this, on this spirit, and it's that, that vicious cycle. Every time that he tries to do something, it, it, it goes back, and nothing, and nothing is, uh, is working. Until, the, it came to the point, the rabbi's like, you know what, we're gonna do like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, what is it called, like, when you do like a crash course, where he's like gonna go like, non-stop, like again and again, again, unifications after unifications, unifications, to try to like, break everything possible. So, they went and he did like 50 unifications, like one after another after another, until finally the spirit was so exhausted, so much in pain, and he was, literally, he was like, enough, I'm going to tell my dad on you. It's like, I'm going to tell my father on you. And um, so he goes and he leaves for 15 minutes, and he goes, his father passed away, and he goes tells his father, he goes to the, his father's grave, and he says, you know what they're doing to me over here, and he starts, and the father starts talking to me, because the father didn't even know that he passed away. The father was also in this state. And he says, and he started, you know, going back and forth in, 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 you know, in his grave, screaming and crying for his son, that he passed away so young. And the father goes to the son and says, you know, I have been dead for 15 years, and yet you are more rectified than I am. So, the rabbi, because this is the spirit, came back and was telling the rabbi what he, when he spoke to his father. So the rabbi, so the rabbi asked the spirit, did you, did the, did you see your father? Did you see how he looks? So he says, no, I, I wasn't able to see how, how he looks. So the rabbi went over to the sister, who was, you know, this, this, uh, I guess medium, if you could call her right now, through method of communication. And he goes, would you agree that if your father comes into you and I'll do unifications on your father to sort of help him out? And she agreed. She says, my father, and yeah, any means that I could, that I could help him, I, I will, uh, um, you know, do it. So, the rabbi goes to the spirit and says, I want you to call, call your father over here. <clears throat> the father comes in, the father, and, and he starts speaking to the father. And the, the father says, the rabbi first says, like, who am I speaking to? And he says, you know, I'm Jonah. And the rabbi says, I would like to, you know, affect tikkunim. I want to affect unifications on you uh, to cleanse you. And he says, but I have two conditions. Number one, is that the second that I stop, you must immediately leave your daughter, not cause her any harm, pain, or anything whatsoever. No hiding inside of her, no staying over there. Just go straight out without any problems. And number two, when I'm ready to perform unifications with you, I'll call your name Jonah, and you have to be immediately ready. So the spirit, which is the father, which was Jonah, he says, he says, even if you wouldn't have told me that, I would have thought, this is my daughter, you think I'm interested in harming her? He says, I'm not immature like my son, you know, Judah. He says, I, you know, by all means, you know, I'll do anything that you ask. And then the the spirit the spirit says and he says um, are you not you know Yehuda the son of Moshe Fataya? and he says I am and then the, the the spirit starts saying you know may God reward you for all your efforts and for your great and invaluable kindness that you're doing so the rabbi replied to him it's really your kindness that you're doing to me so the, the spirit was surprised I'm like what he's like how do you, how I, you're doing me the kindness you're doing the unifications on me so the rabbi responds to him and says I'll tell you a mashal a parable. When a woman gives birth and she goes and she feeds the baby, she breastfeeds the baby, so it's very beneficial for the baby to get that type of nutrition. 
However, it's also beneficial for the mother because if the mother doesn't feed the baby, then it's very painful for her if she doesn't empty, you know, empty the milk out. It could get very hard, and then sometimes you need surgery. Sometimes you need, you know, different things. So even though it's beneficial for the baby, it's also beneficial for the mother. He said, the rabbi says so too for for me. He says I spend so much time and effort and you know prayers to try to understand the secrets of this, in the Torah of this of these aspects of the spirits and everything over here. And he says. I don't. I need people. I need customers to be able to do this too, to be able to help. Otherwise, all this would be for vain. So, she goes and uh, and by the way, this is how you tell the difference between like you know, look at this. This is a rabbi. All right. Yeah. Let me give you an example of this. Have you ever came to a doctor and a doctor be like, "Thank you so much for coming." No, I don't want money. Forget about the insurance. I just spent so many years in college studying for this, and I'm just so happy that I can help people. Granted, yeah, some of them, you know, they go in for the good and they go, but since what, they are trying to figure out how to build the insurance for things that don't even exist in your body. It'd be like, you know, I fixed, you know, you know, I changed the valves of the unicorn and the, you know, and the, you know, the, you know, the insurance company's like, you know, you know, they, they keep on trying to do this. Here you see what a, what a true rabbi is. He says, not only is he spending his time, effort, and everything that he has to help these spirits, but he also thanks them for them. So oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to help. So anyways, the rabbi goes over to Jonah, the spirit, and he says, listen, he says, I want you to tell me everything, and don't leave anything out, I need to know all the details. What was the sin that you did, how long, what, give me all the details and information of what you're doing and where, where you are. So the spirit goes and says that he's been, for 15 years, he's been, uh, he passed away, and the sin that he did, which he had one sin, he had one sin in his life, that, um, I guess of this caliber maybe, that he is still paying for and he said when he was alive, he was an agent for merchants, and he sold he sold uh, the silk. So he was like this middleman, and he would sometimes have to go to the buyers of these merchants and you know get the product or pay them. It was one time that there was an urgent deal, and he was called into the, one of the house. He had to go into visit one of the houses of one of his mer- of merchants that he does business with. And when he gets to the house, the wife says, "You know, my husband's not home." But come in, I'll send one of the servants to go uh, run and get him. So the man comes in, and she sends the servants to, to go get him. And meanwhile, right now in the house, it was just uh, them two. So she went, this, this woman, this married woman went, bowed, literally went to this person's shoes and started kissing his feet. And says, please be intimate with me. And then she took out money, gave him money. And the, the spirit says, you know, the, you know I was overcome with, with the tremendous temptation that I fulfilled her request. And he says that, He's now spent 15 years in this in this situation because of that. And the rabbi asked him, how long do you have left over for your, what's your term? And he says, I don't know, they, they didn't tell me. So the rabbi says it could be the reason why they didn't give him the term yet is because what happens is when a woman commits adultery on, on her husband, then she isn't forbidden to be with her husband. Now every time that her husband is with her, that's a sin. So who gets part of that sin? The guy who, you know, was part of committed adultery. So, now this is a very complex topic. This is a very, I don't think I'm going to speak about it, um, because there's many, many, so let's say someone does chuva on it, how does that work, do you have to tell the husband, there is so many details to this that one has to speak to, because you understand the severity of it, because if somebody, let's say, goes, and, and I've, I've gotten this question before, very, very unfortunate, more than once, unfortunately, that... Somebody unfortunately committed, you know, committed the worst sin, one of these sins. And then he wants to know, does he have, does he now have to tell the husband? They're, let's say they're still married. Does he have the obligation to, to go tell the husband to, uh, to do that? Now, because why? Because every time it's a sin. So now he doesn't, you know, he wants to do chuva, but at the same point in time, there's a lot of different, uh, uh, aspects that go into this. Uh, I do not want to get into it. All I can say is speak to your local Orthodox rabbi. 
he might not want to get into it as well, and then you say, who can I speak to? And you keep on going up the ladder until you find someone to speak to it, because this has to be dealt with, and it, and it will be dealt with uh, appropriately. You don't have to think, there, there's ways out, there's ways, there's, there's ways to do these things that is not going to ruin your entire life. So it's definitely very appropriate to speak to a local Orthodox rabbi regarding these types of situations. But, in this particular case, he did not say anything. He did not say anything to the, um, to the husband, and he didn't even do tshuva. He didn't do tshuva. And the rabbi, the rabbi asked him, says, you know, so well, how come you didn't do tshuva? You knew that, you know, the severity of the sin. And he says, to be honest, I was too embarrassed. Who am I going to go tell a rabbi about this, you know, this, uh, you know, this, this such an embarrassing sin? So, <clears throat> he didn't, he didn't do any tshuva, and then he had to, you know, then he passed away. Which is also something I do need to uh, point out that no matter what sin someone committed, now, generally speaking, the regular tshuva process should be followed for every sin. Now there are, uh, which by the way is, you have to regret what you did, you have to confess it to God, and you also have to make sure you never do it again, you stop doing this. So, when a person goes and does serious sins like this, there is more than that, there are repercussions that come into into effect, and and they do need to speak to a rabbi saying, what am I supposed to do? Besides the fact that there are tikkunim for it, there is something called, this is on a very high level, uh, and this is something that, you know, it's only if someone is on a high level of, you know, know, fasting, and there's different things of it, maybe we'll speak about it later, that, uh, um, you know, that that has to be dealt with, with a, uh, you know, with with a very qualified rabbi in this, in this aspect. So, in any case, <clears throat> the person died, didn't do any tshuva, and he's in this situation. So the rabbi started doing unifications. He started doing tikkunim uh, for him. And the <clears throat> as as the rabbi was doing tikkunim with him, he kept on calling him. He kept on coming back. It was it was a few uh, sessions that he did with him. And suddenly the the spirit told him. He says, you know, they told me that I have six years left on my on my term. All of a sudden they gave him a number after these tikkunim. And eventually, as the tikkunim kept on coming, the time frame kept on going lower and lower down. And it was like significant from like one time for like six years to one year. And then from one year up to a certain point in time where they told him that's it, you're finished, you're ready to go, ready to go to hell. And <clears throat> which is something also that we do have to mention when you do tshuva over here. Look at the difference, because he did tikkunim, unifications. And by the way, that's a, he was very lucky, the small chance that he had, that he met with a rabbi, that he was able to do it, a very, very small chance. So, that things that he would have had to spend six years with, a few sessions with a rabbi, with the, with the unifications, it brought it down to, to nothing. It took everything away. So, just to think about it, when we are in this world and we do something bad... Don't, you know, do tshuva. Do tshuva. That, the whole purpose of bringing this, this, uh, this series down is for that. To realize that if you don't do tshuva over here, you're going to have to pay for it in the next world. You don't want to pay for it in the next world. You want to pay for it right here. Why? Because, and by pay for it, I mean just do tshuva on it. Just repent on it. When you repent, it takes it away. It just cleanses it. It just, it's finished. Why deal with all the suffering? There are many people that they do bad in their life and they just sort of like forget about it. They just put it back and they're like, okay, I'm not going to deal with that. It's my past. I shouldn't deal with that. I'm a new person now. And granted, that's a good method. But you still have to, you know, clean the the past. You have to figure it out and you have to move forward. And the tshuva process is very, very imperative and very, very important. So, the... <clears throat> the rabbi goes and he says, fine, you know, there was a last session until they were decided that they were going to go to, um, uh, that he, they were going to separate, they were going to go to, he was going to go to hell, he was going to go to Ganom. The next Friday, the rabbi, you know, pr- you know, does a prayer before Shabbat, it was like a few hours before Shabbat, and he says, or sure prayer, and he says like this, says, may it be your will, O God, to send Jonah to, uh, to me that I may rectify him. This is after he already entered hell. And suddenly Jonah appeared. So this is already after he's already in, in Gehenom, he's in hell. So the rabbi goes over to him and he says, um, you know, did you enter Gehenom? Did you enter hell? And Jonah replied, yes, I did. And he said, can you describe to me what was going on? 
And the spirit said, Jonah said that it was a ocean of fire, it was a sea of fire, that it was so hot that even the angels couldn't go in. They had to actually catapult us into the, into the fire. So the rabbi says, so how did you get out? He says there was a big wind that comes, and, you know, and it took out the people that need to go out. And it sort of washes them up on, on shore. And <clears throat> the way he says, when, when I came out over there, he says, uh, you know, there was an angel that came over to me, and he says, you know, you've been summoned up in court. And he said, the spirit says, you know, I was trembling like a woman in labor. So I was so nervous of what, what I had to deal with now in court. That when they came up, when I came to court, they told me, he says, who do you know in this world? So he says, you know, I know Rabbi Yehuda, you know, Fataya. So he says, he's calling you, he says, go down. So he says, and you know, and here, and here I am. And so the rabbi answered, asked him, he says, how far is the distance from hell to the court, from court to here? Like, what's the distance that you had to travel? So he says, the distance in each of those are 40 years each. So 40 years from the, from, uh, from hell to the court, 40 years from the court to here. That was 40 years. And the rabbi was so, so impressed with this. He says, he said that one line. That's the reason why I told you his prayer. His prayer was one line. They, they condensed all that within that one line to get him to where he was for the prayer. I think prayers don't work, right? So the rabbi goes and asks him, and he says, which is worse? Kafa kela, this, in, uh, this uh, in limbo stage, or is it, um, or hell? So he says it's, it's different. It depends. He says in, in, um, kafa kela is more, is, is worse than hell, but it doesn't go for 24 hours a day. You have some sort of respite. In hell, however, it's nonstop. It's around the clock. So you don't have any rest at all. The rabbi then goes and um, the, does some tikkunim on him, uh, at, even though while he's in hell. And this was also able to shorten his sentence in hell as well. And uh, then he stopped dealing with Jonah. He went back to the to the son uh, Judah, and he said, and he was was trying to deal with the son. And the son was still the same cycle. Every time he tried to do tikkunim, he kept on messing up, and he kept on he kept on getting worse until the rabbi, you know, said that it's it's not going to happen. So the rabbi, the rabbi started praying. He says that if this particular soul is composed of two sparks, then let us separate those two sparks, and the good, let it be reincarnated, and the bad will deal with it the way that it's being dealt with right now. And a short while later, the rabbi came to the, came to a bleat, and he noticed that the baby was actually part, the good spark from this, from this man who was uh, the spirit. And uh, he said that, you know, later the baby had, you know, came with some sort of disease, that he was blinded by one eye, and he barely could see it in another eye, and he had a scar also. So this way, you know, like, he's no way going to be able to fall and stumble in the sin of homosexuality or adultery that he, that he fell to in his, in his, uh, previous, in his previous life. Now, <clears throat> let's do one more quick story and then we'll wrap it up, um, with, uh, you know, with, with questions and some, some ideas that we have to really discuss on it. So that was the end of the story of, of that one. The, the following story is also brought from the Minchat Yehuda. And the year was 1911 that a spirit entered a young man by the name of Ephraim. And the, <clears throat> the parents brought him to this Muslim, you know, heebie-jeebie guy. I, I, I really don't know the terminology. I really probably should have, because I've been saying this series for like three, no, not the imam, like someone who was uh, focused on the mystical. I guess like a Kabbalist, Lahavdil, you know, in their, in their aspect of it. So he goes and, and uh, the, the, you know, the, this Muslim, you know, person tried to, you know, exercise it, and the guy was like, he's like, you know what, if you really want to deal with it, bring me to this rabbi. The spirit says, bring me to Rabbi Yehuda Fataya. So they brought him to Rabbi Yehuda Fataya, and, you know, he came, the, when the rabbi came to the house, the rabbi actually came to him, the rabbi came to the house, he was lying in his bed, and only the whites of his eyes were showing. It's always a wonderful sign to enter, you know. You're going with only the whites, there was no pupil, no nothing, um, and the rabbi started, um, 
started, you know, speaking to the spirit, and、uh, it turns out that this spirit was a donkey driver, <clears throat> and he used to transport mer- merchandise. And one time, because again, he was saying that you know the sins that he did in his life. <clears throat> one time, he was、uh, going with an entourage of people, and they were traveling to a certain destination. And he was taking a、uh, a passenger. It was a married woman who wanted to go pray by the grave of a of a certain righteous prophet. And as they were traveling with this whole group, he slowly like lingered behind until he says, "Oh, I know a detour." He took a little detour off off the road, and he brought her into a place where no one can hear her scream. And he then <clears throat> committed an immoral act against her will. And then he threatened her. He says, "If you go and if you scream anything, I'm going to kill you." And later, this you know, this woman, she was a righteous, honorable woman, and she renounced her husband, and her husband went and divorced her from that. The after that, that was one of his sins. Another another sin is that he was in the desert and he had a、uh, mule, and he did a similar act to Bilam did with his mule.、Uh, Bilam and his mule were husband and wife. So he similarly acted to his、uh, to his mule with his、uh, you know in the same fashion. A <clears throat> and a short while after that, he also had、uh, relations with a male. So, needless to say, this guy wasn't a righteous man. And、uh, a short, a few short years after his, after that, he got into some fight with some Muslim other other、uh, you know donkey drivers, and they ganged up on him and they killed him. And、uh, he was like buried in this unmarked grave. Later, his brother came to retrieve his items because he used to transport a lot of stuff. And he says the brother not only didn't do anything, he didn't even return those items to the rightful owners. He took everything for himself. He took the money for himself, and、uh, and and he didn't even say kaddish for the、um, you know for this、uh, for this brother. Which reminds me, I had a <clears throat> I saw the case once that uh, the. You know, there was a certain person that his father passed away, and I, yeah, I didn't deal with it personally, but I heard this from the person、uh, that that you know was dealing with that he, you know, the father passed away was not religious, and the mother to the son told him, I says, I do not want you to say kaddish on your father, and I it, it, that got me so upset. I'm like, why, why? Because you don't believe in God. Everybody believes something. So you believe five percent. You believe one percent. You believe a half a percent. There's something you cannot know for certain that God does not exist. We're going to do a whole series on believing and proving God. We're going to do this off the top. It's going to be unbelievable.、Um, be huge. All right. So、uh, it's 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 really off the top. So. But it's really going to be such an important uh, uh, class to, to you know to、uh, it, whatever. We'll, we'll speak about it afterwards. The. The person and and it really bothered me. I'm like, so let's say, why would you refuse to allow? Like, do you not love your husband? Do you not want him to at least get some sort of nechama in the next world? Why would you say no? I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say any kaddish. It really something that bothers me. It really bothers me so much. Why would you just say no? That it doesn't. Just say no. It just makes zero sense to me. But in any case, this particular this particular、um, person, he said that he's you know that the, his brother didn't say any kaddish in him, and it bothered him so much what he did that he ended up. Haunting, haunt, haunting his his brother, and till the point in time that his brother became very sick, and he also and he uh, uh, and he died a very very terrible death. He made him lose all his money and everything that he、uh, that he had. So, the spirit goes on. He says it's been seventeen years since he was murdered, and the rabbi asked him, "Did you do any tshuva before you passed away?" So he says, "You know, everything was so crazy that, that I was too terrified to even think about tshuva." And he says, "You know, but his entire life, he only put on tefillin and talit only three times, and he also only prayed on Yom Kippur. That's it when he prayed." I know some people like this, I, you know, and I, it's very, it's very unfortunate. And so he says, and he goes on further, and he says, "You know, this is not the first time that I'm in this world. 
He says he knew all his previous reincarnations as well. He's the first time that he came to this world, he was in Sfat, and his name was Solomon, the son of Ezekiel. And he sinned excessively in that lifetime. And then it was decreed that he'd be reincarnated in levels. First he had to be, and I spoke about this in reincarnation class, he first had to be reincarnated in a mineral level, then it goes up to a vegetable level, and then it goes into animal level, and then it goes back to a human. He says, but what happened was, very interesting, that he had he was in an, a pomegranate, and there was a righteous man, a righteous tzaddik by the name of Shimon, that he went, and during Shabbat meal, he made a shechianu on, on the fruit that he was, you know, incarnated in. And because of that, he was able to, you know, he, he was getting some sort of rectification. On it, and that's why Behuda Fatai says it's very possible why he. It says that afterwards he he was in car, he was he brought was brought down into a human. He skipped that whole animal stage because when you make the blessing, you're able to go and push that the you know the tikkun a one one level higher. So he goes after that. He was he was uh, um, incarnated in a man who, <clears throat> for some reason, he puts in this information. I'm not sure what that he thought that it was very eat, healthy to eat fat, and he just ate tons of fat and he died. Um, you know, at by one point. So. The third time this, that, that he was in this carnation, it was in, the, in, this, in this time that he was recently, and he says not only did he not correct anything, but he brought more sin upon more sin upon more sin to him, and he said it's been 450 years since he, the first time that he came into this world. So he says, and he goes on, he says it's been, th- after his demise, 35 destroying angels came to him, and they would beat him 15 hours a day. After the remaining nine hours, there would be this desert that he would go into and he with snakes and scorpions in which they would bite into his flesh and eat it until he died and then he would be revived again. So, he goes on, and we're finishing in like uh, three, four minutes. The, he goes on and he says that, uh, see, the air conditioning is also happy. That he goes on and he says that the reason why he possessed this particular uh, spirit is because one... Uh, you know, one day this man was walking on Shabbat and he picked the fruit off the tree. And he says for that reason, it was also another reason. And <clears throat> the other reason was that he didn't act with a woman, not a married woman, doesn't say married, he didn't act with a woman, it wasn't relations, but it was something in that vicinity. He did a certain, a certain act with, that, with, with a woman. And because of that, a sexual act. And because of that, with, but not relations. And because of that, she, uh, you know, the, the spirit was able to possess him. The... And as and as this this uh, um, as the spirit was talking, there was you know the mother was bringing in food for the people in the room, and the you know the spirit says, says you don't see this. He says in that piece of meat, in that roast meat, there's an 87 year old woman that had to be reincarnated again because of the fact that she wasn't modest when in her lifetime she did an act of immodesty. And then he goes over and he says there is a another girl. That's in that piece of pomegranate, and then on the bird over there is another reincarnation of another of another of another person. And the spirit says, "What you have to do is when you make a bracha, you have to say it with intent and kavanah, and that rectifies everybody over in that area." So, long story short, the rabbi, you know, came to a certain point in time that he was able to tell get the spirit to leave this uh, to leave this uh, boy, and the. <clears throat> and make it, it's late. So to make a long story short, they, he was able to leave, and that was the end of that story. It was a, it was a, a very interesting because what actually happened in the Ila on Yom Kippur that he was uh, there was it was sitting on Yom Kippur and the spirit you know like they saw like something was happening and what happens when you see someone fall on the floor and something's happening everybody gathers around to watch it and the spirit started saying you know everybody leave and that just made more people come. And then the spirit says, if you don't leave, I'm going to start revealing all your sins. And then people left. <laughs> and then what happened was, and then the, the boy was, you know, it was, the spirit was living through his leg. It was causing, he was 
you know, hitting his leg on the floor with tremendous force as it, you know, as it was going on. The, the spirit then said to the Baal to the guy who blows the shofar, it says, blow the shofar and have concentration on, on me when you blow it. And then from there, the spirit left him and that was the end of that story. And the, the, the boy, the boy healed completely by the next, that day he had to be carried home because of the pain of his foot. By the next day he was completely, completely healed. We want to give a quick, uh, you know, uh, a summary that this is, uh, <clears throat> you know, the purpose of this, of this, of this series is, is very, very important. Not for the fact, I know there are going to be many people that are going to be like, what, come on, this does, this is not true. How you can, I really, there's somebody, there's a spirit that came in and the rabbi, sure, the rabbi spoke to him. This is what I deal with on a daily basis. So, um, to, to make, you know, you know, something very, very clear. If I were to tell you these stories from a from anything else, then yes, I would not believe myself in it. Every story that I bring down here is brought down from you know from from legit sources that you can know. An example: Imagine Chacham Avadia Yosef would tell you a story. Would you believe it? Yes, no one would doubt in it. Even the secular people would say, "Okay, it's true." The, the rabbi who, who said these stories was a, was a giant of the generation. His name was Rabbi Huda Fataya. Look him up. Look him up. He brings down these stories so you know that these stories are verified for you know for you know for a purpose, and he brought them down for a purpose as well. And one purpose that I learned from this is look at how much we have to be careful when we're living in life in this world. We have the ability now to change. Afterwards, it's game over. You can't be like, oh, wait, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have made myself better. I'll get, we'll get questions in a second. Yeah, I wish I could have done... Now you have the ability to fulfill those wishes that you will have in the future, after 120. So it is very, very imperative to go and look at each of, and every single one of us to see what we have to fix, what we have to do, what we have to change to make sure that when the time comes, we don't have to deal, God forbid, with any of these, but rather we could go straight to Gan Eden, or even better yet, Mashiach will come, we'll go straight to Olam Haba, B'mhei Abe Amenu. Any questions? Yes. Um, my question is like, does this stuff, I believe all the stories, but does this stuff still happen? So that's a question I actually get very, so, so very, very rare. Most likely not. Very, very rare. Can I say no? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. You know, it's very, very rare this happens now. By the way, these stories are from like 100 years ago. It's not like from 2,000 years ago. But like you mentioned that there was a person in a seed, a person in a tree, a person in a chicken. That still happens. Yeah, but I'm saying, wouldn't, I mean, as much as I know, everyone's done some sort of sin. Like, wouldn't everybody just end up reincarnated? No, not not necessarily. Depending on the sin, and only God knows this. We can't. Uh, I spoke about. Um, did I speak about? Yeah, I did. I spoke about it in the reincarnation class. The third, I think it was a third one about what sins you have to be reincarnated for what for what uh, issue. So let's say somebody did, you know, was had a relations with a non-Jew who comes back as a dog. You know, there's different aspects of of different things. That's literal. Yes. Yeah. That result brings it down. That brings down al Kabbalah. Um, now, unless they didn't do tshuva. Now, it doesn't give a list of all the sins. You can't, like, you know, Google search, like, okay, for sin this, you're going to be brought down in a pomegranate, in the, you know, in the California region. What? You also, yeah, there's a lot of aspects, and who are we to know? It's only God that, 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 you know, knows the full picture. But it still happens. That's why when you make brachot, that's why brachot are so important. You know, forget about all the kavanot and this, and, you know, around the, and that level, but to make a simple bracha and concentrate on the words that you say, what blessing do I make on water, Rabbi? You know, like, know your brachot. It's not so complicated. There's an app called Brachos, I think it is. A Brachos app that you just, you know, like Twizzlers. What do I make on Twizzlers? Like, who knows? Well, you know, you, you look, you, what? Isn't that a It's, well, look at that. The app doesn't bring down as Well, the, 
That's a good question. Uh, you should say it in Hebrew. And I believe there is an app that even will tell it to you in English. What is it called? Transliteration? Yeah. Yeah. So you should, you should, yeah, so it'll just tell you like that. It's very important to have it. These things, because imagine you, you could have unfortunately things that are suffering these these are souls that are suffering that if you make a blessing you're giving them a tikkun it's it's such a you know you know like you could do so much and we don't know i mean we don't see these things it's it's beyond our lives it's we're deal, we're delving really much into the spiritual world and i you know <clears throat> i've gotten this before like oh come on i you know i, I recently spoke to a man you know regarding this like oh why does god do that i can't understand like so much suffering so much terrible things all for what you know for certain sins like, it doesn't make any sense because if you think about it <clears throat> the first story that we said it was a guy who sinned once 15 years he's still suffering for that one sin which shows you'd be like, oh, it doesn't, the, the, you know, the punishment doesn't match a crime. And, in, and actually it does, if you think about it. First of all, this man slept with a married woman. You, the, people don't, if you have to understand the, the level of the caliber of, of that sin, it, that is one of the worst sins possible. Right. It's not like, like, not everybody. Everybody's gonna get that. Like, I don't mean everyone, oh, but I just mean so many people. So many people commit adultery? Hang around so, new people. It's so normal in this generation that... Yeah. Adultery is normal in this generation? Come yeah. on. All the time. Uh, well, I... I so, we hear more about it, but like... So I hear about these things a lot more than general public, you know, people. Oh, non-Jews. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the TV world. So in the Jewish world, it's it's unfortunately it happens, but it's not as common. I mean, I I hear these cases, I hear them. It does happen more than it is. Of course, it's on the, and rightfully so, it should be on the download. But not that it's common and normal. It's definitely not normal. It's definitely out of the ordinary. If you would say a percentage wise, I wouldn't say fifty percent of couples have the adultery. Uh, you know, the. It's 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 <laughs> like maybe here the Jews keep it on the down low, but there they don't. There it happens. I'll tell you what what the, how these things work. When bad things, when when that what, what, yeah yeah what, if they don't do repentance, they don't know about it. They don't know nothing. That's also like how do they get married? There's a lot of things to speak about there. Ah, uh, very good question. Very good question. So, so question that I did not want to answer. Um, <clears throat> That's why they were asking. The, why is, let's start, let's back it up. Why is adultery for a woman considered, it's worse, it's for sure worse than a than man. Now why? Why is it? So, to understand uh, that aspect, we have to understand a very simple aspect of, you know, back in the day, why would, would it be that a man would be allowed to have multiple wives, but a woman would not be allowed to have multiple husbands? And the answer for that is a very simple answer, which is, if a man has multiple wives, we know exactly who the father and who the mother is have they have, if they have a child. If a woman has multiple husbands, we don't know who is the father of that child. No one, and that, that comes into all, you know, very big problems. You don't know if he's a Kohen, Levi, Israel. We don't know who his half-siblings are. We don't know who his siblings are. Which means it's who is he able to get married to? Who is he not able to get married to? It comes and brings up a, 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 you know, a tremendous amount of problems and issues. Uh, and this is why also the you know amamzel is uh, you know specifically with you know in that in that particular case and not in the in, in vice versa. Not to say that a man who you know cheats on his wife is like okay I'm good you know that no he's he's you know he's done a very very serious thing but it's 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 in a different aspect of things for for many reasons that being one of them. Any other questions? Yeah.
Um, when you do teshuva, but um, a lot of times the sins that we do teshuva on, you end up doing them again. So does it like count? count? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't. If you're like, you know, God, I'm so sorry that, you know, I wasn't dressing modestly. Oh, I'm going to buy this beautiful dress. It's going to be so short, but it's okay. You know, like, you know, like, it depends. If you're doing chuva and you... At the moment, you're serious. Then you're, that's a real chuva. Yeah, yeah, that's a real chuva. You should still do chuva. Don't think of it like, oh, I'm such a hypocrite. I know I'm going to just do it again. Right now, you're sincere. Do the chuva. The chuva is, is there's partial credit, if I can say it like that. See, I'm never going to do it again because then you might be lying. Exactly. Isn't part of the chuva? I'm never going to do it again. Then you're lying. Then you got to do chuva for that. First of all, when you're when you're if if something really bothers you, so put it this way. Let's say someone accidentally murders somebody, and uh, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm giving a what? No, 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 I'm not talking about. It. I'm talking about nowadays, and they want to do chuva on that. I'll be like, well, you know, I'm never going to do it again, but, you know, how could I really know? I'm like, you could say, like, okay, I know with my heart that I really don't want to do this again. If you are doing sincere chuva, then you can say, you know, I'm really trying not to do this again. God forbid if it does happen, then don't worry about you lying. That's the last, that's the last thing on your list that you should do. Murder, but I'm talking about something simple that we all do. So you should still do chuva, still say that I'm going to try never to do this thing again. Yeah, no, but it's we true. It of course it counts. Yeah, of course it counts. You're 100 percent right, and yes, it does count. It does count. You should do chuba even though you're going to sin. And, and this is how the satan gets you. The satan gets you. Be like, oh, really, really, you're going to do chuba Think God wants to talk to you? Yeah, it'll be like you know, like after all the sins that you did. And if you realize that you're just talking to yourself, and then you go like, "Well, why am I talking to myself?" That's how it works. You just you do send, you say, "I'm sorry," and you're done. You, and well, you have to do the chuvat process. There, so there are tikkunim, and there are that. If we're not delving into Kabbalah, if we're not delving into that, yes, you do those reasons. There, the Rambam in Hilchot Chuvah speaks out and brings down that certain sins you have to go through suffering, um, like a karet. Let's say you didn't keep Shabbat. And now you have to start eating Shabbat. You're still have to. If you accidentally eat dairy right after meat. That's a shogek. So you do Shabbat, yeah. You do Shabbat and you're done with it. Yeah. You want the best that you could always do is is put something upon yourself. Be like, you know what? To make sure that I don't do this. Let's say you accidentally broke Shabbat. So to make sure that I'll do this, I'm gonna start learning all the laws of Shabbat. Because it's a very complex, and not in, most people don't know the laws of Shabbat. The um, you know, it, it's very very you know imperative. Now this is also. You know, people don't realize they are doing chuva with only themselves. You also have to do chuva if, let's say, you help somebody else do a, do a sin. You know, if you're like, okay, come on, you know, you bring somebody else down with you. Very, very common, unfortunately, that people forget about this. You know, you go and, uh, you, uh, I always use this example as I find this is a very easy example to, to understand, and it's really a more of a man-oriented example. You bring some, get someone involved in gambling, and they become a compulsive gambler, and they lose everything, and they lose their wife, and they end up going off the dark, and they end up going, losing everything. It's your fault. You gotta, you know, try to make some sort of amends. Now, granted, you're not gonna be able to, might not be able to change him, but it's something that you should, you know, this is ben adam lechaberol. This is also something. You know, chuba is not only between you and God. If you hurt somebody else, you have to ask for forgiveness for that person. You could do chuba from today until tomorrow. Let's say you embarrass somebody in public, and they became very red, they became very embarrassed. You could fast a thousand times, and you could give all your money to charity. If you didn't appease that other person, you still have something that you have to deal, deal with. So it's something that you have to, you know, every 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 aspect has, you know, has to come on its on its, uh, you know, on its. And this is, by the way, this is also very true on married couples. Married couples. I don't think we have we have only what is it one two married couples over here. So there's other time soon. So, but but you know, when you help your husband or 
vice versa, the husband has a wife go down or go up, that also has on your effect. You know, what you did if you, you know, made, made him sin or you made, you know, you know, he made you sin. This is something, you have to think of it as a big picture. There's not just something that's you and just a little world. Everything comes into play in a much, in much, uh, you know, larger picture. It's very, you know, unfortunate that some, some married couples, they, you know, instead of helping each other raise to higher spirituality, they bring each other down. And both of them, they both, you know, pull each other one after another. You have a question? Yeah. Um, if, let's say you and your, let's say I have a group of friends and we all do the same thing, for example, um, like we watch movies, right? And I invite all my friends to watch a movie. Does that count? That's like making them sin because it's watching movies considered a sin. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're going to watch, but anyway, I just gave the offer to. So let me, I, let me, let me. Or putting on a non-Jewish song in front of your friends who listen to non-Jewish music. Right, right. So let me rephrase that question, and we're going to go in a in a much worse way. In a much worse way, um, <clears throat> drug dealer gets busted. Right. I think you can see where I'm going with this. And he says, well, that's what I said. I said it's not the same, but uh, but it's just, but the same concept. And he says, you know, and they say, you know, like you sold drugs to children. And, you know, one of them overdosed and died. And the drug dealer would be like, listen, you know, like, yes, you're right. I did do that. I'm terribly sorry. But they would have gone done it anyway. Like, if it wasn't me, there would have been something to somebody else. And they would have got something to somebody, you know, to somebody else. Is that my fault? Let me... Let me let me rephrase it like this also. Let's say, for example, um, you know they're they're arranging a Torah class, and one girl or one person or one man decides that he's going to take it and he's going to arrange it. It was going to happen anyways. It was going to happen. This guy was just smarter, or this girl was smarter, and they took and they took responsibility. They'd be like, you know what? I'm going to do everything. I'm going to be involved with everything over here. And at the end, they, it did happen. Who does it get all reward to? The people that you know that worked very hard to arrange this. I'm pointing at you for the. You didn't hear what I was talking about, but that was. That was that, okay, so. I asked them for forgiveness. You ask them for forgiveness, and there's nothing. Yeah, so you do chuba, you do chuba, and yeah, invite them over, tell you watch a movie, and then you put on TorahAnytime.com. Why those can get really good? Just trust me, just trust me, and then they'll never call you again. <laughs> um, bring them to this class. Oh, very good. I have a question about the story you were saying. I the last story with the. By the way, I know we're we're ready. I'm sorry, I'm going to say we're ready overdue. If anybody needs to leave or whatever it is, you know, feel free. You want to relax on these beautiful couches that we have over here, do whatever, you know, books that we have. It's a really beautiful place. Let me just before while we're saying over here, we just have to thank BJX for hosting us over here and Bizarre Hashem for whoever wants to join. We will be here on uh, every uh, Thursday, Bizarre Hashem at eight o'clock. Um, to tune in for more information or email me, and then I could tell you more information. Yes, your question. So the last story, um, the, the boy. Uh, what sin did he do? That the, I think I missed it. Or he did three sins. So one of them, he committed not, adultery. Not the spirit, the boy himself. Oh. The spirit oh. Um, one of them is he picked the fruit on Shabbat, and another one he did a certain sin with a woman. The boy himself, the spirit got into. Okay, I missed that. Yeah. Um, then. Yeah, please. Um, what, did, what did the spirit do that he deserved out of all the spirits in the world that did such things? He had the merit to come back into this. Which means is with, and the rabbi was able to affect the unification? Yeah. 
That's a, that's a merit. What did he do? I don't know. That, that is a merit. That is but a merit. He did something in his must life. must have been. Yeah, they have, everything is measure for measure in the next like, world. It's not like we just flew by and like. Oh. No, like oh, there's nothing is coincident. Nothing is ever coincidence in life. Everything is for a reason and a purpose. Nothing is coincidental. So yeah, there's a reason why I don't know it, what was the reason. It doesn't bring down. Yeah, while you're thinking. Okay. Yeah, go on. So one one reason, well, why I can't really tell you. I don't know. I, I don't know the, but but we do know that the rabbis that we had, you know, in the previous years that knew how to do these things, don't, you know, if they exist now, I, I don't know any of them, but maybe there are, maybe there aren't. I know there are stories that come out, and there's there's different things that go in the, in the you know in the news in the past few years, but. Definitely not in the caliber that we had. So it's very possible the God doesn't send God sends first the wufwa, first the the healing before the before the problem. So being that we don't have the ability or we don't have the ability like we used to exercise them, that what's the purpose? There's no you know it's not going to be able to come into effect. And that's just my personal answer. There might be many more, but that's just one of them. Okay. Yeah. Hi, um, you were saying. I must have missed that too. You were saying something about it was 40 years. Um, yeah. 40 years time um, that he, um, whatever, 40 years time. Yeah. What does that time frame mean and things like that? Yeah. So it's it's the distance of time that it has to take from. Here was one sentence. Right, right, right. So we feel the pain. Right. Should I hurry up? No, no, no. I'm just saying I'll, I'll answer some questions off camera. Okay. I just thought, uh, yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, it's a lot has to do with Tehillim, with Yoshef Besat Al-Yon. There's a certain uh, Tehillim and how you say it that, uh, um, you, you know, you say it forward and back. Or there, there's different methods, the Kabbalistic methods and, and what you're supposed to say, these uh, these Tikkunim. There's also Shofar involved. It's sort of doing, so that's why it's like, it's called like a yeah, it's like unification. So it's not like you're not doing tshuva on it. It's sort of, it causes tremendous suffering and pain to this spirit, but it causes, it cleanses, it cleanses him. Think of it, it's, it's like a, I don't know, sort, sort of way of dry cleaning. But it's not like you can't do tshuva for somebody else. You can't do tshuva for somebody else. So it's not considered tshuva, it's a tikkun. Thanks for coming, guys. Next week we're all same time, same place. Yeah. That's a very big yeah. So that's that's uh, you know there's nothing. What are you supposed to do? You know that's that's why Yom Kippur we go through it. Yeah, we Yom Kippur we go through those. You know. Well, that's why I mean yeah. What you could do and it's very good as a, is before your prayers on Yom Kippur when you look through over the prayers. Maybe what could I possibly? It goes through categories, and so it takes it covers almost everything. So you go over there, and be like, what possibly I could have done in this category, and you can write it down. Maybe I did this. It's sort of like it gives you a reminder. Anyway, that's why you're supposed to do chivat right away. You don't push it off. But yeah, it's it's yeah, unfortunate. Any other questions? Why doesn't help with the that's true? Why does it help? Right. So is it to what caliber does it help? Also, we know. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Terach Avraham. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.